Merry Christmas, everybody. So I, I just need to say this before we get into what I was going to talk about. Uh, so usually after we have a service, a special service or a Sunday morning service, we, the staff, we get together and we evaluate how did things go? What can we do differently next year? So Keith, in the evaluation this, for next year, we need to add security for the children's message. We need to add some bouncers up here to keep kids off the stage. So <laughs> that's just priceless. So I want you to think back when you were a kid, and if you're a kid, then you just have to think back to last year or maybe yesterday. And I want you to think about a present that you got, and when you open it up, you realize what it was. Because a lot of times, presents come in kind of unusual shapes, unusual sizes, and so sometimes you may, you know, there's a present under the tree, and I remember I did this as a kid, maybe you did this, but when my parents were not around and there was a present under the tree, I would pick it up and I would shake it and try and figure out what's in there, what's in there. Or sometimes there'd be a really huge box that would be super light, I'm like, what's in this? Or there'd be a little teeny present that was really heavy, And I'm like, what's in this? And you can remember maybe when you were a kid trying to figure out what is in this. And then you open up the present, and maybe it's been something you've been expecting, maybe it was a total surprise, but you open up the present, you rip it open, you see what it is, aha! And then you know what it is, and you're just super excited. Now, some people, when you open up that present, you get that surprise, you you, you say, aha! But some of you answer different ways. Now, we're going to practice how do people act surprised. So we're going to try surprise. So I'm going to say one, two, three, and you're going to say, aha, and with, with great surprise. Okay? All right? One, two, three. Aha. Oh, that was very good. Very good. Now, sometimes you open up a present, and you're not an aha person. You open up the present, and you're like, ooh, because you're really excited about it. All right? So we're going to try that one. Ready? One, two, three. Ooh, yeah, okay. Now, some of you, you're a little more of a thinker type of person. You're sort of, you know, you're just a mental type of person, more serious. And so you open up the present and you go, hmm. Okay, try that. Ready? One, two, three. Not mmm, good, like mmm. More of a, we need to do that one again, ready? Hmm. Yeah, miles much better. Okay. Now, some of you are a little more verbal. You don't just like consonants and vowels. And so you open it up, and you open the present, and you say, no way. All right, try that. Ready? One, two, three. No way. You were very excited for that present, whatever was in your mind, more so than the rest of them. Okay, we got one more. You open up the present. You get in touch with your inner teenager, and you go, say what? All right. One, two, three. Say what? All right. Now, we had five of those. We had, what was the first one? (laughs) Aha! (laughs) And then we had, ooh, mmm, no way, and say what? All right, so I want you to use your favorite one right now. So imagine you, you see that present, you visualize it, you open it up, you see what it is, and you say... All right, there we go. Everybody's got their own little stick there. So here's the thing, is the Christmas story is filled with these aha moments, these say what moments, right? So I want to, I want to talk about just a couple of these. Think about Joseph, right? So Joseph is engaged to Mary, and then Mary says, hey, I need to let you know something. I'm pregnant. And he's, you go, say what? 
It's like, I'm not the dad. He would figure that out pretty quickly, trying to figure out what's going on. And then an angel comes, and the angel says this, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary home as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save people from their sins. Now imagine that you're Joseph, and you have just had an angel speak to you and explain to you why it is that your fiancé is pregnant. What would your reaction be, all right? One, two, three. There you go, yep. Here's another one. Think about this. We all know, if you heard the story that Betsy read earlier, was on the video, is that, where's the bouncer? <laughs> A small toddler was born. So, but I want you to think about the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And he kind of asked the question, why was Jesus born in Bethlehem? Why wouldn't he, it just been a lot easier if he had been born in Nazareth where Mary and Joseph came from. But that wasn't the case. Why did they have to take this long journey with Mary being nine months pregnant all the way to Bethlehem? Listen to what it says. This is a prophecy. It says this, and it's recorded in Matthew chapter 2. It says, And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. All right, what's your expression? A little better. And you guys are like, I'm not sure what to say what thing is on this one. Here's the thing. is This is a prophecy given many, many centuries before that says that the Savior, the one who's the ruler, the one who will be the shepherd of my people, will be born in Bethlehem. And so God, and we don't see what God's doing, but God orchestrates this whole deal where Mary and Joseph go from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that the Son of God can be born there. Let me give you one more. One more aha moment. This is the wise men. They've followed the star for months and months and months. They finally arrive in Bethlehem, and here's a description of their aha moment. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and said, say what? Doesn't say that. It says, they fell down and worshiped him. They opened their treasures. They offered their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You see, for them, that was their aha moment, that they recognized that this was the Son of God born that they were looking at. The Son of God come down as a baby. If you think about it, the entire Christmas story is filled with aha moments. But the story itself, the big picture of the story of what God is doing, that's the biggest aha moment of them all. Because Jesus was born in complete humility. I want you to think about when famous things or when arrivals happen. You know, when we think about arrivals, there's always pomp and circumstance with the arrival of something new. Think about the arrival of a new president. When we in the United States inaugurate a new president, there's a march all the way in Washington. There's bands, there's parties, there's celebrations. All the past presidents come. There's poetry being read. There's songs that are sung. 
All these famous people come and are part of the inauguration of the United States president. All this pomp and circumstance. Think about for those of you who kind of follow royal majesty stuff in England. When Prince William married Caitlin Middleton, I think her name is, you know, whenever that was, a number of years ago, there was this huge stuff that went on. I did a little research on it just trying to figure out what's a big thing. They estimate that 300 million people watched the couple get married. $34 million was spent on this wedding. That's amazing. All this pomp and circumstance around it if you watched it on TV. Or think about your favorite college football team or your favorite pro football team. When they come on the field... When they are announced, there's smoke, there's a band, there's guns that go off, there's stuff on the scoreboard. It's everything. There's all of this great pomp and circumstance around the beginning of these things about the arrivals. But Jesus' arrival is very, very different from that. He didn't come with lots of pomp and circumstance. He came in humility. He was born to parents who were relatively obscure in this little town, which was relatively obscure. He was born in a stable because there was no room at the inn. And instead of a crib, they put him in a feeding trough, which we call a manger. He came in the most humble of ways. So different than the arrival of other kings and dignitaries. But you see, Jesus came for a different reason. And his entrance into the world was different. And it's an aha moment when we recognize that Jesus came in humility because Jesus came to be a servant. Jesus came to be a servant. And the birth of Jesus was an aha moment in time and in history, but it begins the life of one who can give us the aha moment of a lifetime. I want to read you another verse. And in this verse, there are two words that are the birth story. It's not a verse that we think about as the birth of Christ, a birth story of Christ, a Christmas verse, so to speak. But I want you to listen to this verse and listen for what are the two words that are the Christmas story. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's two words in here that are the Christmas story. God gave. God gave. Why did God give his son to the world? It says right here in the verse, for God so loved the world that I want us to understand that Christmas happens because God loves the world. And there's two things I want us to understand this evening about God's love. The first is this, is that God's love is unconditional. And the second is that God's love is persistent with us. First, God's love is unconditional. God's love is unconditional in this sense that everybody is welcome to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You see, it doesn't matter where you came from or what you believed before or who you were or any of that type of stuff. You see, we're all in this room, and all of us come from really different places, some of you are super excited to come to a Christmas Eve service. Some of you have been running from God for a while and somebody dragged you here from your family. But everybody here is from a different place. And what I want you to understand is this, is that God's love for you is unconditional. That you don't have to clean yourself up to become good enough for God. You don't have to go to church a certain number of times to become good enough 
for God, that God loves you and accepts you right where you are, and that you can come to faith in him at any point in time right where you are. You don't have to get right and then come to God. And here's how I know that, and it goes, and I'm going to fast forward 33 years from the birth of Christ to the death of Christ. And I realize that we don't usually put Christmas and Good Friday in the same message. But when Jesus was crucified, he was crucified between two thieves or two criminals. And when he was on the cross, one of the criminals began to mock him, saying, pull yourself off the cross. Get us down here if you really are God. And they were mocking him. And then the other criminal said these words. Said, we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to Jesus, excuse me, and Jesus said to the man, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. What did the man do to earn the forgiveness of Jesus? Nothing. He didn't, you know, get down from the cross, go to church 10 times and come back, right? He didn't do any of that stuff. All he did is ask. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus responded, today you will be in my kingdom. You see, the gospel message is this, is that we don't earn God's love. All we do is receive God's love. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That when we believe in Jesus Christ, believe that he was born, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross for our sins, when we place our faith in him, that is believing in Christ. And the result is that we have eternal life. The thief on the cross, he had his aha moment when he realized that he could go to heaven simply by asking for the forgiveness of Jesus. And I would ask you this evening, have you had your aha moment when you have recognized that all you need to do is recognize that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and to receive him as Savior? You know, this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, the aha moment for us comes when it becomes personal. When we fill our own name in the blank, instead of for God so loved the world, we put our own name there. For God so loved Matt. For God so loved Keith. For God so loved Steve. For God so loved Angela. For God so loved Lisa. For God so loved, put your own name in there. That's how much God's unconditional love comes to you. That he died on the cross for you. Why? So that you might receive him and have eternal life. And if you haven't made that decision, I invite you to make that this evening. Jesus came because of God's unconditional love for us, but he also came because of God's persistent love for us. And I want to talk about that just for a moment. That maybe you received Christ some point in your life in the past, but since then you've been stagnant. And it said that God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to stay where you are. He wants you to keep growing closer and closer to him. For those of you who are parents, think about this. Or if you're a kid, you'll get this as well. But, you know, if you're little, if you're like one or two years old, 
it's fine to wear diapers, right? But if you get to be in kindergarten, it's not fine to wear diapers. You need to grow up, right? If you're in kindergarten, first grade, you know, maybe you need help tying your shoes or you need somebody to help your mom or dad to help blow your nose. But when you get to be in fourth or fifth grade, you're too old for that. You need to learn to tie your shoes. You need to blow your own nose. Or when you get a little bit older, if you're fourth, fifth grade, you know, maybe somebody has to remind you to brush your teeth or maybe your mom or dad needs to remind you to take a bath or a shower. But when you get into high school, you need to know to brush your own teeth. You need to know to take a shower, or hopefully you do, or your brother or sister will remind you of that, right? But you see, we want kids to grow up. And as parents, we give kids the opportunity to grow up. And God, in his persistent love for us, wants us to grow up as well. He wants us to mature. This week, Stacy and I uh, had a great opportunity to sneak away for a couple days. It was our 25th wedding anniversary and my friend James, who was married 26 years to his wife, Laura, um, right around the same time that we were married in, de- in late December, set this trip up. And so we went and met them uh, kind of at a midway point. But he had, this was a surprise for his wife, Laura. And James and Laura and I have been friends since high school. And Stacy kind of joined in the mix probably 25, 26 years ago as far as our friendship. So we're all just great friends. And so James is using this as a surprise for Laura. And so on Monday morning, he says, Laura, on Wednesday morning, we're leaving for a surprise getaway. All you need to do is pack some clothes and pack cute, or look, wear cute clothes. That's all that he said to her. And she's like, I have no idea what's going on. And for Laura, she's had a rough couple of months for, not because of James, but some other things, and really a rough couple of years. And she was kind of reluctant. And after Christmas, they're going to Cleveland for a few days. He's a pastor at a church, and so they'll have a bunch of services to be a part of. And she was like... I don't know if I really want to go. And James says, Laura, trust me. Just follow my lead. Trust me. Take these steps. And so they drive uh, to this place in northern Indiana, this kind of middle of nowheresville. Stacy and I had driven there the night before. uh, And we we stayed, by the way, at this place called the Traveler's Inn. Just men, just want to warn you, don't take your wife to the Traveler's Inn for your anniversary. Just not a good idea. Like, take a step up and go to the Comfort Inn or something, right? So anyway, we stay at this place. Um, we wake up in the morning. James is driven down from Lansing. He pulls into this uh, gas station, and, uh, and then he texts me. He says, we're here. We made this arrangement before. And we drive in, and we go and knock on the window. And Laura is just absolutely elated. She's like, oh, my goodness. It was a total surprise for her that we were meeting. And she had no idea what we are doing. So we get in the car, we start driving west on uh, I-80, I-90, that direction, and she says, where are we going? And we say, we're going to Chicago. What are we doing there? We're going to go see the musical Hamilton. And she was absolutely thrilled. And I share this with you for this reason, is that God has stuff in your future that he wants you to partake in. But you see, if we don't go, if we refuse, we say, I don't really want to do what God wants me to do. I want to do my own thing. If we don't walk in the steps that God puts in front of us, then we miss out on the best that God has for us. And Laura could have put her foot down and said, I'm not going. But she would have missed out on an incredible surprise of seeing us, of seeing Hamilton, of being in Chicago together with dear friends. God has stuff for you in your future. And his persistent love will keep putting those things in front of you. 
and wants you to walk in them. You may have noticed up here this whole time there's been a present. And I've been talking about presents and what's in presents and opening presents. And I'm going to open this for you in a second and show you what's in here. And when I do, you have to use your, you know, oh my, say what? Act surprised. Do you know what's in here? Does anybody know what's in here? Well, some of you do. All right, ready? I'm going to rip this open, and then you're going to give me your best surprise. Wow. You ready? You ready? Do you want to practice once? No, you're okay. Okay, here we go. Ready? There we go. Say what? It's the word love on this beautiful board. And here's the thing. Is on Christmas 2,000 years ago, love came down to earth. God's unconditional love came to you. And maybe you're here this evening and you've never received Christ as your Savior. And so God's unconditional love to you is available. All you need to do is say yes. You know, maybe you're here and you're a kid. And you've celebrated Christmas and, and Santa's come and you've opened presents and trees and all that kind of stuff. But maybe for you, this is the year that you realize that that's not what Christmas is really about. That Christmas is really about the birth of the Savior that has come for us. Or maybe you're here this evening and you accepted Christ some point in the past, a couple of years ago, maybe back in high school or when you were a kid. And you've just been stagnant in that relationship. And that God's persistent love is still after you. That he wants you to take steps of nearness to him, of intimacy with him, of closeness with him. And there's steps out there, and you know what steps they are to take. And God wants you to take those steps. Because his love for you is persistent. He will never, ever give up on you. Because for God so loved you that he gave his only son, that if you believe in him, you will have eternal life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you sent Jesus to this earth as a baby in humility that would grow up and be the savior of the world and that we can have eternal life and we can have abundant life because your love for us is unconditional and your love for us is persistent. Lord, let us walk in the path that you have for each one of us. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.